Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Okay, last one for this month of July of 2020. The incredibly awkward year of wearing masks and not being together except for virtual moments like this, at least not being together as much as we would like to be together. I hope that these studies that we're doing together have been sort of a comfort to you in a time when at least we can share thoughts about the Word virtually and through the great means of technology that we have today and I've just today been looking through some ladies lessons online some podcasts online and I've just been grateful to God that we have this through this difficult time so ready for this to be over though so ready to be able to hug sisters to Um, shake hands with brothers and to be together worshiping and singing in auditoriums without masks on our faces and I know that some of us are doing that and some of us aren't and we're all trying to honor the leadership of our elders that's one thing that we're going to talk about as we go into the video podcast and as I'm speaking that's later today but for now I wanted us to focus on a concept that I kind of was reading about some different um, comments about how that God was really married to Israel in the Old Testament. And although I was contemplating saying something about that, I um, because I thought of the New Testament and how that in Ephesians 5, the bride of Christ is married to Christ and that the scriptures are replete with instances where when we are not faithful to God, we do commit spiritual adultery. I don't want to draw any more out of the analogy than is really there. And frankly, I had decided not to talk about the um, marriage of God to Israel in the burning, quaking mountain. I had decided to not mention that because I thought, well, that's an analogy that's really not as much there in the book of Exodus where we're studying his glory from that mountain. But then as I kept studying, I came across some passages that just kind of jumped out at me. I was studying over in Jeremiah chapter 31. If you want to be turning there, that's where I'm going to be turning. Jeremiah chapter 31. And I was actually studying that with... um, with reference to number six in our in our study this time it says all of the visitation of the lord was on display all of his glory was manifested from mount sinai it was unget aroundable that god was right there in the mountain i almost tremble as i read the last verse of exodus 31 the finger of god was in mercy writing out a protective conduct code for his own people a code that would keep them a protected people to carry the seed that would one day produce the mother of the Lord Jesus into whom the holy seed of the Holy Spirit would be placed and in whose womb the holy child would grow. The ultimate visitation of God to his people, the word coming to us in the flesh. So you copy down 
Exodus 31 verse 18. But then as I thought about that, I thought a lot about how that God actually was um, writing with his finger on stone at that time. But that now, clearly in the New Testament, he tells us that he has written just the same, but that he has written his covenant in our hearts. And we read about that in Hebrews 8 verse 10, Hebrews 10 verse 16, Isaiah 51 verse 7, and one of the places that I referenced about this was Jeremiah 31, and beginning in verse 31, it says this, and this just kind of jumped out at me from this page, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Okay, that's going to be the New Testament not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke, although I was an husband to them, says the Lord. And then he goes ahead and says that, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. And will be their God and they shall be my people. And they don't have to teach anymore that every man is neighbor and every man is brother saying know the Lord. For they shall all know me. That is everybody who's in his kingdom will already know him. You don't have to raise up Jews, um, genetic Jews and tell them about the covenant relationship that they're in because everybody who's in the kingdom in the new testament will already know that's how you get into the kingdom is by submitting your will your heart to him they will know me from the least to the greatest says the lord for i will forgive their iniquity and i will remember their sins no more so people who are forgiven under the new covenant have it written in their hearts they already know i don't have to go to most of you and teach you about jehovah god and his existence and his covenant because you've already accepted that covenant if you're in the kingdom if you're forgiven you already do know him the part that i that jumped out at me was verse 31 actually verse 32 where it says they broke my covenant although i was their husband says the Lord. Well, when I saw that there, and I, I knew that we we're referring back to that law that God wrote with his finger, then I decided to, to just think for a little bit about those analogies between a husband and a wife, the things that did occur that are kind of like a marriage, a wedding ceremony there at Mount Sinai. So let's just think about that for a little bit and you take it for what it's worth. But we do know that God considered himself when he came into this covenant married to these people. If we look at Exodus chapter 19, I'm turning over there right now. Exodus chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. We have the betrothal. We could call this the betrothal. This is what God says to say to the house of Jacob, verse 3. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you will be. A peculiar treasure to me above all people for the earth is mine 
and you will be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you will speak unto the children of Israel. I love that part there where it says, I bore you with eagle's wings, and if you'll keep my covenant, you'll be my treasure. I will treasure, treasure you above all people, and I own them all. The earth is mine, but you will be my treasure. I just thought about how that that's really what happens when people get married is that if they marry according to the will of God, they choose someone above all else. They choose a peculiar treasure for themselves. And so God is betrothing Israel here as his peculiar treasure. I don't think it's a stretch to say that. Israel, when God did pull them up to this covenant, they were but a slave. They, Israel was a little slave girl, really. You could say that in Egypt. But God bore them out on eagle's wings. And of course, he had, there are lots of analogies we could use, but this is one that we could use. He loved this slave nation. And he pulled her from slavery and brought her to be a peculiar treasure for himself to give her great gifts. So I believe that then in um, lots of passages, but especially in Exodus chapter 24, we see Israel making the vow, making the vow to be the bride of God. As we read about in Jeremiah 31, chapter 24, verse 3, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said, we will do. There's the I do of the covenant relationship there. We see it in verse 7 again. And he took the book of the covenant and read it in the audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. So we have the I do of the covenant. And then we have, we notice that for this covenant making, the people had to get ready. They had to wash their clothes. We see that in Exodus 19 verses 10 and 14 and clean up themselves and to sanctify themselves. And then in Exodus 24 verse 8, we see the symbols of the covenant. Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant, which the Lord has made with you concerning all these words. So they didn't have rings necessarily, but they had the symbols, the sealing of the covenant. And in Exodus 24 verse 9, we read about some special guests who were going to the, we could call it a, if we want to stretch it a little bit, we could call it a ceremony. Um, but he called 70 of the elders of Israel and they had to be sanctified. And then they went to this beautiful display, which you know, could be compared, I don't want to pull too much out of this, but it could be compared to the adorning that happens to a wedding place. They saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. Wow, they saw glory there. And as they were becoming, and we know that they were becoming the bride of Christ. We know that, not the bride of Christ, but the bride of the Lord. We know that from Jeremiah. And then um, there was eating and drinking, Exodus 24, verse 11. It was beautiful, Exodus 24, 10. We just saw that. 
And then there were 40 days of planning this life together. Now, these were, this is not like a husband and a wife sitting down together and making concessions to each other. I get that. But there was 40 days of writing down the way that this relationship was going to be. 40 days and 40 nights in the mountain. They talked about what the dwelling place was going to be. Exodus 25, verse 27, where the meeting places were going to be in this relationship. They talked about the household service in chapters 28 and 29, the priesthood there. They, the calendar was planned with the, the feast days and the times that the husband was going to be with the wife. We see all of that given there if we want to really push this analogy a little bit. And I'm not, I don't want to take liberties with the Word of God. And I wasn't really going to bring this up until I kept seeing um, how that we today are the bride of Christ, how that spiritual adultery is described several places in the text. And then this Jeremiah 31 verse. The first three commands, though, and this is the hard part of this for me to talk about, the first three commands that were very central to the I do of the Israelites are, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And those central commandments that really are all wrapped up in the greatest command, which is loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, putting Him paramount, giving Him the preeminence. Those three commands are really are really encapsulated by thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, strength, and mind. Every bit of us is to be given to him. Every bit of them was to be given to him as his as he was the husband. And all of them, all three of those were completely contradicted Broken is the word that we would use, but I would say they were broken over the commands rather than the commands being broken. But they disregarded, disreputed, contradicted their vows of faithfulness to this husband on the honeymoon, we might say. There was adultery during the honeymoon. No wonder that God was hurt and angry when... Israel built that golden calf. No wonder he was angry. His anger was brimming over toward Aaron, the high priest, the one who had just been sanctified and cleansed and invited to the wedding reception, as it were. For him to say, I just threw him in there and out walked this calf. What kind of an excuse was that? What kind of marriage would that be? If somebody could say to the husband during the honeymoon, well, you know, I chose somebody else, but it was just really an accident. You know, I really didn't mean to. It just kind of happened. That's kind of what we have here in Aaron's words in Exodus chapter 31, 2, and 3 there. It's just pretty amazing to me that we have this infidelity and we could say reasonably with the Jeremiah 31 analogy that this was just adultery on the honeymoon. It's also very interesting that physical adultery follows idolatry and did I say physical or spiritual? Which they're both. Spiritual adultery 
follows spiritual idolatry and physical adultery follows physical idolatry. Now, of course, when you build a golden calf here, like Aaron did, you've got both, a spiritual idolatry and you've got a physical object there. It's not just the heart that's given over to something that's given the allegiance that belongs to God to something else, but they actually built a physical altar and golden calf, which is unbelievable to me, just unbelievable that they would know, they would have seen the Red Sea part, the, the water to blood, frogs, lice, flies, murrain of the cattle, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, death of the firstborn. They witnessed every bit of that. They witnessed the Red Sea opening up and now... They're saying this, this, this cow, this cow that's built out of gold, that this is what brought us out of Egypt. That's just so incredulous to me that they would even open their mouths and say such a thing. But then we see that this idolatry in their hearts, this forsaking of the union, the betrothal that they've made instantly leads to sexual sin. That rose up to play there is reveling. It is lasciviousness. It is sexual sin. And it followed hard on the heels of the idolatry. That's the same way, by the way, that it is over in Romans 1. We're going to compare in the video podcast the sins of Romans 1 to the sins of Exodus 31 and 2 and 3 there. And as we as we do that, we see there that this... Um, idolatry, this giving the glory to self or things around us is pretty immediately followed by adultery. And we, that's all over Romans chapter one. I'm turning over there right now just to take a quick look at that. And then this lesson will be yours. Romans chapter one, and we look there and we see that they profess themselves to be wise. Verse 23, they changed the doxa, the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. That's exactly what they did in Exodus. That's what they're doing here in idolatry in the times of the New Testament. And God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. Got the heart involved there. And then by the end of the verse, we got the body involved to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator. And then God gave them up into those vile passions that involved the misuse of their bodies in sexual relationships. I'm just telling you that when we start seeking something else other than God and giving something else the preeminence, that we're soon going to have adultery, fornication popping up, sexual sin follows spiritual sin. I think that you will, if you think about it just for a little bit, you will see that all around you. When people start giving their allegiance, I don't care if it's to fishing or to sports or to money, career, that many, many times there is pornography on the heels of that followed many times by sexual sin. Idolatry just does lead to adultery. And by the way, covetousness is idolatry. So those who are in our world today who are so wrapped up in the material things and the money of this world, you just find out that so often those things take the precedence over marriage 
and soon infidelity has occurred. Okay, those are just thoughts that I was having after I read that verse in Jeremiah 31 that God really was married to those people. And we can just kind of lay that analogy out and we can see that that was a covenant. That was a vow. And there's a sense in which it was a marriage vow. And there's a very real sense in which they broke that vow before that honeymoon was over. All right. I hope you have a good day. And I'm looking forward to being with you on the video podcast. If you're listening, um, you probably are listening after that has already happened. So go to Facebook Live or Digging Deep on live stream and listen to the video podcast we're almost done with this year ladies and you've been sticking with it and i'm grateful for you so encouraged by you and i hope you have a great day